Hello and welcome to Sitcom Geeks, the podcast about all things sitcom, but mostly about creating and writing them. I'm James Carey. And I'm Dave Cohen. And the other voice you'll hear is our producer, Katie Storey. Hello. Katie will be keeping us on the straight and narrow as we talk about sitcom mechanics. Uh, in previous podcasts, we've talked about asking what your sitcom is about and what it's really about. And also we've talked about larger-than-life characters and characters who are essentially monsters and whether they are a subset of larger-than-life characters or not. I think they are not, and Dave thinks they are, which shows what do we know. But today we're talking about uh, odd couples, and Dave has some thoughts to kick us off on on odd couples in sitcoms. Yeah, well, um, The Odd Couple, of course, uh, there's a, uh, a sitcom called The Odd Couple, uh, it was uh, actually a, a film, and uh, Fantastic a film. Yeah, brilliant, wasn't it? And uh, uh, by Neil Simon, well, great Brilliant comedy writers of the 20th century. Um, and it was, uh, starred Walter Matthau and Jack Lemon as two guys who were sharing a flat and who were the worst two guys to be together. Uh, you can imagine, uh, Jack Lemon was, um, sort of very, uh, fastidious, uh, probably a little bit OCD, um, kept the flat very tidy. Walter Matthau was a slob. That's kind of about as much as you need to know, really. Yeah. Um, but of course, they, they weren't the odd, the first odd couple. Um, there have been odd couples all throughout comedy. I mean, Laurel and Hardy, uh, probably were the first ones on, uh, to be, uh, filmed, I guess. Uh, before that, I, I would cite, um, Boswell and Dr. Johnson, in fact. James Boswell and Dr. Johnson, the, the 18th century, um, Dr. Johnson travelled around uh, the country and uh, Boswell, James Boswell, his faithful scribe, he sort of wrote down these... The straight man, presumably. Sort of, yes, but he kind of undercut him a little bit right. as well from time to time. And then uh, even Shakespeare has, he has odd couples. And he has, for instance, in Twelfth Night, you've got Sir Toby Belch, who is, as the name suggests, played by a big fat drunkard, and Sir Andrew Aguecheek, who's always a sort of skinny rake. And these guys are always kind of... Um, um, up to all sorts of um, fun and games. So the odd couple, it's a very old uh, concept, really. And in terms of the kind of sitcoms we're writing and we're mm. trying to write and trying to get off the ground, um, there it's basically two people who are stuck in a room together and uh, they've got nothing in common. But how how do you make that stretch over years and years? How do you keep these people together? I mean, you know, I guess that's your situation, isn't it? In the situation mm-hmm. comedy. Um, and it's a question of, I'd, I'd, for some reason I'm suddenly thinking of subatomic particles and you have the strong force and the weak force or something, but you need, you've got a force that's, that's already pushing. already lost me, I'm yeah, no, but <laughs> you've got knowledge of science has gone. But you've got, you've got a force that's sort of uh, pushing them together, uh, which has got to be greater than the force that's pushing them apart. Yeah. Um, and um, it should be clear to anyone listening to this podcast, I do not know what I'm talking about when it comes to subatomic uh, physics, particle physics. But in general, you need uh, a situation which is going to keep them together. So the obvious one would be they're part of a family. Yeah. So you've got uh, who've you got? You've got a fa- you know fathers and sons, yeah. mothers Stepto, and daughters. Yeah. Stepto, Frasier, Upfab. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you've also got the the, the the odd couple brothers in Frasier as well. We'll talk about them maybe later. Um, and Del Boy and Rodney, of course. Um, so yeah, the, the, the family is the obvious one. You know, we are for better for worse stuck with uh, yeah. our, our partners, families, children, whatever. Well, for and better for worse, there's one there. You're, you're yeah. married. You know, yeah. that's the the, yeah. the couple that have yeah. uh, made promises in public that they yeah. are now obliged to keep. 
Um, if that isn't too dim view of a marriage, <laughs> yeah. don't know if my wife has listened to this podcast, but uh, I do love her very much. Yeah. Uh, yep, he said unconvincingly. <laughs> I'll do well, it. Yes, yeah, edit point. <laughs> my wife will be too busy looking after the kids and doing... Um, three, three other things at once. Uh, the other ones to listen to a podcast about comedy. Um, but yeah, so that's obviously that's 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 the, the family is the, the, the one uh, thing. There's there's the one where people they've kind of drifted apart, a couple a couple or friends or something. They they they've stayed together um, because it's kind of easier to, to to not split up. And Peep Show is I think is a good example of that. You can we, d- we don't really know. Um, how they became friends but we got this idea and we've seen them kind of go through from I guess from their sort of late 20s to their late 30s or maybe a little bit older Mm. but that's the sort of kind of age you can imagine maybe two people who were like good friends as students uh, and then maybe after they left college they were still staying in the same flat and it kind of it was more easier. effort to, to, to yeah, split to, up than it was to stay together. Yeah, I'm making all this up, and you know we, we can surmise all that. But that that feels. I wonder if that because you're, you're another category you you've thought of is where is the one that they need each other. Yeah, and I wonder if actually the two guys in Peep Show whether they whether Jez and Mark do actually need each other. You know, you've got David Mitchell's character who just needs to calm down and chill out a bit, and uh, Rob Webb's character who really needs someone to. Straighten him up. Yeah, yeah. Almost like some father and son, isn't it? Kind so, of. They're sort yeah. of. They're sort of good for each other, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're they're really bad for each other, aren't they? Really? Because honestly, if they, you know, in real life, if you knew either one of those guys, you'd be, by now you'd be saying to them, "Come on, get a grip." You know, get a. You, you can't be a student forever, but you can sort of see how. The, the two of them together, yeah. they kind of, it, 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 they're not really good for each other, I think. No. And, 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 but like you say, it's just it's it's too much effort yeah, for them to, to, to actually say, actually, no, I've got to break out now. Well, I guess, and then, and then um, when you were saying earlier about, you know, you've got unhappy marriages as well, which yeah. are like of convenience. Mm. And I think that's quite a good way. Again, it's too much effort to end it. So mm. they stay together. And the example you, you've got here is butterflies, which I think is a really good example of mm. someone who's... Or I think, get the sense that in that, it's a long time since I've seen it, uh, her husband is relatively unaware of how badly things are going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, uh, butterflies is the sort of, uh, almost the kind of nice version of ever-decreasing circles, which is a kind of darker version of yeah. that, really, isn't it? You really can see how... A, how that couple is stuck together, and B, how hard it would be for her to leave, and and I suppose and that, the, the damage that she would do by leaving, she yeah. wouldn't ever want on a conscience as well. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So you kind of you get there in a sort of slightly nice twee middle class way that you get that with butterflies. Yeah, you get you do get that almost in a much darker way with ever decreasing circles, which I I think wasn't as Bigger hit or wasn't as hugely popular as Butterflies, was it? When it came no, out? I don't think so. But it, it sort of aged pretty well. I think yeah. if you go back and watch Every Creasing Circles, uh, mm. we you do see it. we do love it, and it it has got a derangement at its heart, which is mm. very brave actually for a, a mm. prime time BBC One show, which it was. Has a character as well, a beautifully observed character uh, played by Richard Briers, who is um, a, a, 
to all intents and purposes, is somebody who who you would say now has Asperger's, but nobody knew what Asperger's was when that program was being made. So there's a kind of sympathetic version of somebody on the autistic spectrum, which uh, yes, and I, but I think that he yeah, but he always manages to. I don't know if you go back and look. I guess you would say that, but it's more that the character is just very positive. And has a real strong sense of fairness, and life seems easy for his nemesis Paul, and that seems unfair. So there's an awful lot going on there, but there is that central relationship of convenience, undoubtedly. Yeah. Um, so that's that, that. That's a kind of example. That's that's quite a dark version of a, of an odd couple, I suppose. Really. I mean, the the, the, the other other ways in which you, the obvious ways that people are stuck with each other is uh, work, of course. Um, and so, yes, minister is the one I think of as the as the the, the, the great odd couple at work yeah. sitcom. Yeah, well, it's my favourite show of all time, so yeah, yeah. it's going to work for me. Right. That one. <laughs> um, yeah, you've got a completely different philosophical view of government from the two of them. Mm. You know, the what was it the political will and the administrative won't? I right. think was was one of the jokes they yeah, sort of yeah. used at one point. Uh-huh. Um, the other great workplace sitcom, which I know will make Katie happy to bring up, is uh, Jack Donaghy and Liz Lemon um, from uh, 30 Rock, uh, which is sort of... I wonder if at the time they knew that that's what the show was, if you see what I mean. Katie, do you, do you remember the early episodes very much? Uh, yeah. Um... Either, I'm just trying to think. Do you think when they started it, they realised that the... The hot relationship was between Jack and Liz, or whether it was. I think so because I think in the first few episodes they had um, real emphasis on the hierarchy and him storming in to take over the company and the implications yeah. that would have on her show. Yeah. And him being quite demanding and her trying to work it out. Yeah. So I think they kind of knew there was like a tension there. That yeah. But then it kind of really developed into, into something interesting, into yeah. a into a friendship and a an intimacy. A real, yeah, yeah kind yeah. of. And yet it never became romantic at any point, really, no. did it? it? It became... And because Jack always knew exactly who he was, there was never any chink in his armour, really, in some ways. And sort of Liz was always sort of playing catch-up to him. And it, it was... A, yeah. It was, it was one of the great odd couple relationships. Republican and Democrat yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And mm. an episode where she said she had to fly back to Chicago to vote and... You know, he was. I remember her, him saying that, yes, because because you're obviously convinced that that will make a difference. <laughs> you know, he was sort of so patronising yeah. about being one of the ruling elite, and you sort of knew in your heart of hearts that he was right. <laughs> you think, oh no, the world really is run like that, isn't it? But I don't want to be that person. There was a great episode where he, uh, they have to renew her contract at work, so he's her boss, but he's also a friend. So she accepts the first offer, and as her friend, he goes, no, 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 you need to negotiate. But as her boss, he's going, obviously, just accept the first offer. It's a scene where he negotiates with himself. He ends up kind of this, <laughs> such a great, because it's those two parts to their relationship. He's yeah. the boss, but also he's, yeah. he wants the best for her. Yeah. Sweet. It is a great odd couple thing, and you can, right. you can spend a day on YouTube watching <laughs> Jack and Liz Lemon. I will do that, because I haven't watched enough 30 Rock, obviously. Oh, I, I felt... Sadly, left out of that. Oh, particular I'm sorry, Dave. I'm no, sorry. no. Uh, it's, again, it's one of those shows that's uh, on the list, yeah. um, and uh, maybe, maybe now I will definitely. Well, definitely, I will uh, watch that. And um, one of the things about uh, I wanted to say about odd couples as well is that it's not necessarily like 
uh, the sitcom is about an odd couple because you'll get even within uh, any within any sitcoms I think you will get you know there will be odd couples there will be larger than life characters I, I just wanted to ask you mm. James really for uh, for instance on, on Bluestone 4-2 um, there are there are a few little odd couple yeah uh, things there were, did you were they did you sort of consciously create that person to be the opposite of that person or did it um, sort of grow? We, it sort of grew organically I think um that we knew that we had something with Nick and Mary, who were the sort of the original odd couple, because they weren't even a couple, even though they sort of both wanted to be. You know, Nick wanted to uh, have sex with her. She slightly wanted to have sex with him, but always had to put up her defences for professional and, and theological reasons. So in one sense, that was the, that was the, that was the strong odd couple from the start. And then within the team, we sort of had a mixture of, of right. So we just made sure that no one was too close. And then actually, within Mac and Rocket, who very much almost come as a piece, the two characters who are the two armed escorts, within them, we've got Edinburgh and Glasgow. Yeah. So they're both Scots, so they're united for Scotland, but then they're enemies when there's a Celtic Hibs uh, game in one of the episodes, and they're always having competitions and... Um, so they're very different, and they, you know, that that's kind of how we decided to to work that. So you're always looking just to set things against each other um, wherever possible, I think. Um, but th- those were the what, the ones that leaped to mind, really. Yeah, that's good because that's um, I, I I didn't know that you had actually sort of put that in there from sort of day one, really. That the, the, the Glasgow Edinburgh thing, but as I, I, having seen the show develop. It's they, they have definitely they, they developed that 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 double act has yeah. developed and has become one of a number of sort of very strong elements of the show. Yeah, there's the, and there's and there's um I think it's interesting when little relationships do emerge, which in in series two we just found uh, Tower Block and Rocket together, which is always very funny because Rocket was almost like. The boy in Tower Block was almost like the reluctant older brother and all that kind of stuff. So these things do. And once you discover that they're there, you, you, you do well to to write to them and uh, to make the most of them, definitely. Is that something you found while you were out there? Um... Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, we and sometimes it's too late to do anything about it in the series you're currently filming, but you make a mental note to do more of it should right. you get to write more episodes of it. Yeah. Um, but I was interested by what... Um, what you've been thinking about with regard to friends as having lots of odd couple relationships. I think that's a really good, you know, a really good way of having a thing. Do you want to just tell me about... Yeah. Um, just just that the, they're... I mean, Friends is... We think of Friends as an ensemble show. And I remember you saying once that actually the, the Friends was always going to be... Um, Joey and Monica, wasn't it? That's right. That was going to be the the relationship, the hot couple, the hot, and that was, as you say, I think it's probably the only couple that never Absolutely. actually happened in yeah. the entire yeah, yeah. two hundred and whatever <laughs> it is, two hundred and fifty episodes. I don't know, um, but there are definitely some very clear uh, odd couples in there. I mean, starting with Joey and Chandler being the obvious one. Joey, you know, he's uh, uh, good looking, easy. Going always successful with women, Chandler neurotic, mm. middle class. You know, great sense of humour, but can't 
can't get it on with women, and so these guys are sharing a flat, yeah. and that's and also they, you yeah. know they're they're both although they're both sort of slobs in their own way. Joey really mm. is a bit of a slob, yeah, and and you know Chanda likes things a little bit tidier, uh, and then and the, yeah, so then uh, actually to the, the the love interest that did actually happen in the end. And didn't, and then did, and then didn't, didn't. Um, Ross and Monica, of course. Ross and Rachel. I mean, Ross and Rachel, sorry. Yeah. Ross and Rachel, yeah. Um, I mean, that's a very, that, that's kind of set up in the opening minute of the, of the first pilot, really, of the, of the pilot episode. Yeah. There is, there they are. Um, she, she arrives, uh, in a wedding dress and he's, he, sees her and falls in love and everybody sees sees that happen but you know and there again there he is he's this sort of withdrawn jewish uh neurotic middle class intellectual um and she's bright and breezy flighty beautiful um, everything and unrequited love is is that odd coupleness yeah which they sort of managed to play both ways yeah over the course of the that's right, yeah. And then, and then Ross and Monica, which is you know, brother and sister, and then, and there, there you see the two neuro, the, the neurosis, the Jewish neurosis explored, yeah. split in two, and even within that, what seems like a very sort of sing, single kind of idea of you know Jewish New York, you still have this kind of uh, neurosis of OCD kind of proportions, mm. and then the uh, um, Ross's particular version of it his his inability to to communicate um and that that seems to come that that she she can't stop communicating i guess that's probably what what, how that um that odd couple works and um i suppose chandler and monica is the only other the 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 other main one i can think of where they do actually they they sort of get together in the end don't they and that's kind of there's not quite enough Differences yeah. there, and that doesn't feel to me as strong as some of the other odd couples. Yeah, although what was good about that when they did that, so I think Chandler's a really interesting character to me because he he was everyone liked. He was everyone's favourite character at the start because his funny characteristic was that he was funny. Yeah. Um, so he's the sort of guy that comes up with lines that a Harvard-educated comedy writer comes out with, and mm-hmm. so what you know, what's not to like. Um, but actually, he uses comedy as a defence mechanism because he's emotionally stunted. Yeah. And the thing that I think is when he's always at his funniest is when he's being a coward. Mm. So he is a real coward, and Monica is not a coward. Yeah. Monica is very competitive and will step forward in any in any d- debate or discussion, and, and um, Chandler will take a step back. So actually, I think that was a really good comedy pairing, and they. You know they were good for each other in that sense, and there's, a, and you know over the course of ten years, I guess they all grew up. Mm. They all grew up uh, and changed and moderated their behaviour and realised, and you know that that really creeping, slow uh, character development that you want to try and slow down as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, One thing um, I, I just want to pick you up on the thing you mentioned there about um, couples who, who need each other. And um, even in a sitcom that's not necessarily an odd couple sitcom, and we don't think about Blackadder as an odd couple sitcom, but obviously the, the Blackadder-Baldrick relationship is, is, is crucial to that. And they are, you, you, you really can't see what, uh, I mean, Baldrick is, he's, he is kind of 
a difficult person to have around for 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 Blackadder, isn't he? But but he does actually have his uses, doesn't he? Yes, he does. I guess he has the innocence, especially in the fourth series, where Baldrick is you know, approaching everything as if, hang on, this whole war's a terrible idea, isn't it? And yeah. it's, you know, I mean, he has a little bit of the the, the motley fool about him. Uh, but also, I think Blackadder in series two, three, and four needs to feel superior because right. you know yeah. he, he is a character who is who who likes to express himself in superiority over other people, and Baldrick is very easy to be superior over. Yeah. There's an extent to which he's almost like that. Blackadder is like the villain, mm. and this is a henchman that he's always cruel to to make him feel better. Right, but yeah. we we get going back to I think maybe our first or second podcast. Blackadder is a voice of reason in a mad world, isn't he? Yeah. You sort yeah. of understand why Blackadder is so sort of loose. Despairing. And despairing and yeah. to some extent detached from the world around him because we think, well, yeah. this whole world around him is preposterous. Yeah. Uh, so I think, uh, yeah, that's good. Uh, you've got another example as well, which I think is really good, which is of Dougal and Father Ted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, you know, Father Ted, it's about Father Ted. He's the main character. And yet, Dougal is one of the great sitcom characters of all time, isn't he? Really? Absolutely, yeah. And um, I, I, I suppose there's an element of a kind of, you know, I just sort of think of him. He's he's just a child, isn't he? Really, he's a kid. He's like he's a, a an eight year old. Absolutely. That Ted is almost like his dad. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a kind of um, that that's again very that's a very odd. I mean, they are they're, they're stuck together. Whether they like it or not, I guess they're they're confined. That's the the classic sort of confined sitcom. Yeah. They 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 can't get away from each other. But Dougald has his uses, doesn't he, for for Ted? Yes, he does. I'm just trying to think what they are. I don't know this. I don't know Father Ted as well as I know lots of other series because I've I've seen most of them once at right. various different points. Yeah. But in general, I think if we can broaden it out a little bit to our how we now apply lots of this. To our own writing and our own yeah. situation, mm-hmm. comedy writing and creation, and I guess it's always worth thinking about how each relationship within your show is either an odd couple or could be, and worth thinking: how do these characters rub each other up the wrong way? How do they instinctively oppose each other, mm. or how do they even help each other but help in the wrong way? Yeah, I think that's so. Father Dougal isn't an antagonistic character at all. He's always up. He's always positive. Mm. But he's sort of the wrong positive yeah. most of the time, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. In the same way that Baldrick or Lord Percy is, or, you know, the Percy-type character in Blackadder, or, you know, yeah. un- unreliable... I mean, odd couples, a subset of odd couples would probably be unreliable allies. Yeah. You know, with, with friends like these, who needs enemies kind of thing. Well, it's interesting as well, because when we've talked about Frasier before, I know you, um, I, I think of Frasier very much uh, like sort of Steptoe and Son, I think of, of Frasier and, and his dad, but you've also pointed out how important the, the, the brothers' relationship I think is. It's, I think it is about the brothers. I, yeah. I, my guess is they meant it to be about father and son, and mm. it ended up being about brothers. Right. I, I, I think that is the... I think that's where the show ended up. Yeah. Um, but anyway, they'd done all the work and it was in there. They weren't finding something that wasn't there. Yeah. Because as you watch episode after episode, the most interesting front and centre storyline 
is normally the competitiveness of the brothers, isn't it? Yeah, yes. That and also, I think, just how Frasier's... I, I, I always think of the, the, the flat in Frasier's uh, as, as being you know, the star, almost the star of a show with many stars. But the, the, the fact that you have this absolutely perfect place and this horrible chair that's plonked in the middle, which is just sim- totally symbolises how what 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 is stopping Frasier the one thing that's stopping Frasier being the person he wants to be is his dad and yeah. that chair and you know that's how he sees it as much as as it being true but that's that for me is is kind of what what I see when I when you know when I'm watching uh, yeah. that that's kind of there and I think they've set that up time. really well and mm. so which is why I think that's what they thought the show was about yeah and I think it became about the competitiveness of the brothers. It's what sometimes it's what an actor brings, isn't it? I know people who say that um, David um, Hyde Pierce, Donald Hyde Pierce, yes, uh, who, who uh, is one of the great American actors, and, and, and definitely he just brought something extra. I mean, uh, my family is a, a, an example of a show in, in this country where the, the character, the, the, the son character, suddenly. Took off in a way that no nobody had really thought was going to happen. Yeah, and Chris so, Marshall is Chris, is yeah. funny. He yeah. just is funny, <laughs> and and he was what really made that show be more. You know, that beyond it being oh, here's a funny family sitcom. Um, here's a funny family sitcom with this amazing character that has just brought a whole new audience to see it. He added millions to the uh, audience, really, just just by his presence, really, and that's um, he was the magic dust. Wasn't yeah, he, really. So shows do develop that way. I just just one last thing I wanted to say about um, odd couples, just before we kind of uh, conclude on on what we've talked about so far. Um, this is something I do. Uh, this might be a little bit embarrassing now, but I, uh, I don't know what you do, James. But when, I, when I'm, I've let you no idea what you're yeah, going to do, yeah. and I hope you're going to keep when your hands up. When I'm starting to write a new idea, I, and I'm kind of trying to think of um, the, what all the relationships are, I, I, I try and, and um, think of as many possible uh, permutations of, of relationships within if you've got say like five people so I sort of dr- draw a circle with the five names on and I just and I draw two arrows between every single one so there's this is horrible thing um, but somewhere on this thing I can see I've got my main character um, but I'm also seeing how that character is reacting to character number four but there's also character four how does character four react to number two and all that so so it just I find it helpful to just when you're kind of building a sitcom in the early stages to to have something that you know oh well that's going to be the thing every week that's going to be uh what makes those two characters funny and that's it'll only be like maybe it may only be like one comic thing but and it will be mentioned three times in the episode but there are three different ways of being funny about that so uh, no I think that's a good thing to do and I, I've, I've done that and what you learn from it is sometimes you realise that one character really isn't pulling their weight mm-hmm. and that they don't actually have the effect on the other characters that you would like in which case you probably need to get rid of them stick a rocket up them somehow change their gender give them a different role yeah. work out a way of you know or just just shifting it round a bit because although you're writing twenty you're writing twenty eight minutes of British comedy, which is obviously seven minutes longer than the Americans, 
it just appears that there is not ever time to waste scenes, waste lines, waste moments. Every single character needs to be there for a reason, so that every you know every single scene has to have characters in it that are trying to get in each other's way, either intentionally yeah. or not. Mm-hmm. So characters that don't create conflict generally are baggage, unless you've got a hilarious next door neighbour who comes in, does some jokes, and goes away again. Yeah. And even they are usually game changers in some way or another. Right then. I think a little diagram like that is a really helpful thing because you, you you suddenly see which part of your show is probably uh, weak. Um, I mean, some people can do this sort of stuff in their head and they just have a sense for it. Well done, you. I I, I don't. I have to write it down. Yeah. Um, so uh, so no, that's a good thing to do. Okay. So just to conclude, then, really, I guess we talk about um, the different um, types of odd couple when you're writing odd couple characters. Make sure they. Oh, together for a reason. And, and again, something I know you said sometimes when you're watching two people having an argument who don't have to be together, just to stop being friends, okay? Yes, end walk of, out, leave. End of show, yeah. you know. Um, so if you're going to have an odd couple, people who are stuck together, they need to be stuck together for a reason, whether they're part of a family uh, or they have to work together or they need each other, or they're just people who have kind of stayed together because mm-hmm. it's harder for them to split up. Um, so I that's a good for a central relationship. And then the other thing we, I guess we've looked at is how within the show you have these little odd couples yeah, as well. That's right. And so I think that's a really helpful thing to be thinking of how you can just uh, give, your, give yourself the best chance because actually, you, you, despite all of your best intentions, you never quite know what the show is going to be. And you never quite know where the show is going to end up. Because I've said, I, I, I think Frasier is about the brothers, but they didn't think that at the time. Yeah. I could be wrong. But shows just take on a lot of characters, take on a life of their own. Yeah. And in a sense, if they do that, you're, you really are off to the races, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shall we... Uh, quick quick chat about um, current... Uh, I mean, my, my news, um, a few weeks ago... Um, I was ordered by you to get Netflix. Wasn't by, by me, both, by both of you. Well, uh, by Katie, probably. I, I guess. suggested that. Yeah. Sound like Katie. Um, so I got Netflix. I hope um, Katie got a kickback for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, kind of quite. Uh, it's it's it's. Um, uh, I still need a bit of help to to, to know what to watch. We we, we sat through. Um, we were House of Cards, which is completely relevant to this particular podcast. That, that I think that's what you do when you get Netflix. It's like when you join Twitter, you follow Stephen Fry. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's right. Those yeah. are the rules. You, yeah, yeah, that's the rule. Got to watch, watch Netflix. House of Cards. Watch House of Cards. Yeah, but I, it's interesting because picked up on a few of the kind of the American sitcoms that lots of people always rave about, um, like um, uh, Community and um, the the. Kimmy, Kimmy Schmidt, which mm-hmm. I never remember the, the title of, which again, watch. We've, we've sort of half watched a few episodes of that, those, and I, I kind of want to get back to them. But it's it, it, the, pro- the problem is there is so much stuff that unless the thing grabs you in the first five minutes, you kind of almost think, mm. I'm still like that with Community. I've probably watched yeah. two or three episodes, and that's I, 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 admi- yeah. I admire it, but yeah. it hasn't, hasn't pulled me in. and I, you know, I live in a world where I haven't watched every episode of Modern Family. So to me, to watch Community doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. I have about seven episodes of Modern Family on my Sky Plus box. Right. And also uh, The Goldbergs, which I've also been really enjoying. And I watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine every week. Right. So okay. that's kind of enough to keep me going. The one hot tip for Netflix, which I would 
give you a show that I've never seen, but right. I constantly refer to is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Katie, have you seen that? I haven't. I've seen one clip from it, which was the Dayman song, which made me howl laughing. So I need to watch it again. It's on my list. Okay. Yeah. And the reason I've heard it's so good, because I I recently did a blog post the other day about escalating your sitcom to making it as bad for the characters it could possibly be. The received wisdom is that It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia just escalates episodes okay. really quickly. Okay. And it really gets big fast. And right. Like that, so that sounds like something to learn from. But I need to get hold of... I think I'm going to buy it on iTunes or something. Okay. When I've eventually caught up with Modern Family, The Goldbergs, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, yeah, etc., etc. Et okay, et so that's our homework. That's from, our homework uh, for next uh, time. Next time, and that is our podcast done. Tick. If you have any questions or comments or ideas or topics you would like us to discuss, then you can drop us an email at sitcomgeeks at gmail dot com. Is that correct? Yeah. Sitcomgeeks yes, at gmail.com. You said at sitcomgeeks. That slightly uh, muddied the water there. So I would say drop us an email, sitcomgeeks <laughs> at gmail.com. Oh, okay. So now, okay, we now know where the act is. I'm sure right. you'll figure it out. Yeah. For more sitcom thoughts from me, look at my blog, which is sitcomgeek.blogspot.com or just Google sitcomgeek and it comes out top at the moment. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at sitcomgeek. You can follow me on Twitter at, at sitcomgeek. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> yeah. uh, for more practical advice on making a living in comedy, you really should buy Dave Cohen's excellent book, oh, which I have thank read. You, James. It is good. I've read it and I very much enjoyed it and I recommend it. What is it called and how can people get hold of it? It's called How to Be Averagely Successful at Comedy. Wow, um, that is an inspiring title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's available on all good computers and, uh, you know, the places where you get these things from, you know, you just sort of put that in your. Computer. Had to be obviously successful at comedy. Google yeah. that, and with with inverted commas around it, yeah, and it, it'll come it'll up. It'll come up. And uh, I'm at Cohen Dave on Twitter. I'm also I do an occasional blog, uh, like James's, but not as often. Um, Probably more yeah. often. I'm very yeah. I, I blow hot and cold on it. Yeah, DaveCohen.org, I think is my. Uh, this is my website these days and the show has been produced by Katie Story, who has a podcast of her own. Tell Ooh. us about it, Katie. Uh, it's a comedy podcast about the royal family, so we're the only one around. The only podcast, which is a huge selling point, talking all things royal. Yeah, yeah. so we've got um, one Republican, one monarchist, and and you, one... an unashamed monarchist who loves yeah Kate Middleton, yeah the princess. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's very balanced, and I've got friends who listen to it who hate the royals, and they say they find it fun. So it's good. Yeah, I've heard it, and yeah, I enjoy it. So That's thank you, Katie. Thank you, Dave. Thank, thank you. you to Rushforth Media for hosting the recording of this podcast. Until next time, bye-bye.